Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our daily live call-in broadcast where trusted leaders bring biblical insights to the issues and you can call in and get your questions answered in real time. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now here's your host, Richard Harris. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Truth and Liberty Live Call-In Show. I'm Richard Harris, and it is going to be an awesome program today. Uh, we have a lineup uh, unlike any we've ever done here on Truth and Liberty. Right now on campus, we are hosting, Karis Bible College is hosting Flashpoint Live, the Rescue America Tour. I think it's the kickoff event of it. Andrew had Gene Bailey on the show on, on Wednesday, and today we're wrapping up the conference, and we're going to have several of the speakers join us uh, on set here on Truth and Liberty as guests. And I'm really, really excited because our first guest is my one of my favorite guys in the world, Rick Green, is with us here in studio. Hey, so Richard. good to have you, Rick. Man, glad to be here. I, I'm thinking with all your guests, you, you start with the worst and get better well, as you go. That's what's going to happen here. You know, <laughs> when when I was selling furniture, they'd say, start with the cheap mattress yeah, and go that's all it. the way. There you go. You so, know, yeah, yeah, so when Hank comes in and the other guys, yeah, you tell them you so. must get better than we did at the beginning. Yeah, okay. no, no. Oh, that's always not, good to be with you, that's bro. That's not true. Yeah. Same here. Well, thanks for coming yeah. on. Um, man, there is so much to talk about, and this conference has been just incredible. Yeah, very encouraging. Very encouraging. You know, something about bringing the body of Christ together in worship and everything else to realize, you know, we're not alone in this. Place. Right, right. And there's just such a synergy of, you know, when all those people come in there and they're looking around going, I'm not alone. Other people care about these things. Yeah. Then you get all these great speakers and and the Lord just moves. It's so interesting to watch every time this happens. The topic, you don't, we don't talk to each other about what we're going to talk about, uh -huh. but the Holy Spirit just kind of lines that up perfectly every time. It's just cool to watch. It is cool to watch. And, and what a lineup. So it's, you know, you've been here. Lance Wall now is coming. Yeah. Hank Kuhneman. Uh, is here, and then a couple young stars, Luke Ball and uh, Kylie Jean yeah. Tannehill. So, man, it's been great. Well, Rick, you're the head of Patriot Academy, yeah. and you were on our show not too long ago. Month pretty, so. Yeah, about a month, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so, but maybe just give a refresher for people who don't know sure. about what you do about Patriot Academy. What's new with your organization? Yeah, you know, we started mostly youth, right, T training 16 to 25-year-olds in state capitals. That was kind of our flagship, our specialty, uh, still kind of our niche, I guess, doing legislative simulations, putting people in the situation, literally in the hot seat, like putting them on the seat in the state capitol and letting them experience how a constitutional republic works while teaching good biblical worldview and skills that they need to be effective in that arena. And uh, then we started doing constitution coaching. So now we got 27,000 coaches out there and they use our constitution classes. And we're also building a campus where they can come train with us. And we're even building a legislative chamber so they can actually come in people of all ages, because I always have people that are, let's just say closer to our age, come say, can I, can I pass for 25? I want to do that 16 to 25. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. But um, so we had to start looking for ways to give them a chance to be a legislator as well. So anyway, we got a lot of new stuff coming out this year, but all of it is around how do we become good biblical citizens? How do we live out our citizenship in a way that honors God and is done constitutionally? Well, so my first uh, exposure to your ministry was watching uh, your video set, Constitutional Live. Yeah. I don't know how old that is now. I'm Almost sure you're a decade. Yeah, it, yeah. Is it? Yeah. Okay, well, uh, amazing. How did, you know, you walk people through the Constitution right there in Independence Hall yeah. and, uh, you know, with interviews and, and everything like that. How did you, uh, what, what happened in your life to make you passionate about the need for Americans to learn the real Constitution? 
You know, I, I, I kind of had a passion for it for young people when we started, right? I knew when I was a legislator, I was just, I could tell most people in the legislature didn't have conviction. They didn't really know why they believed what they believed. They couldn't back it up. And so I wanted to help raise up a new generation by training them. Mm -hmm. But then it was like people started asking, hey, I want to learn more about the Constitution. So when I, when I ran for Supreme Court in Texas, which in Texas we elect our judges, and I ran for state Supreme Court, which was crazy. I mean, Texas is a big state and yeah. campaigning across the state. It was fun. We had a bus and whole family went. It was great. But almost, I won the primary and lost the runoff, so it was that close. But I'm not bitter at all. No, anyway. <laughs> uh, but but, but it, was, it was great because every night I was out campaigning somewhere talking about the Constitution. When the campaign was over, this guy calls me and he he says, um, he says, Rick, you know, we all learned a lot about the Constitution when you come to an event. I think you ought to do a class. Why don't you put together a, you know, five-week class? I'll put people in the room and you teach. And I said, well, that's going to be you and me having dinner five times in a row with nobody else there because nobody else is going to show up. Mm -hmm. Well, he surprised me. He got 50 people there, mm -hmm. and every night we'd finish talking about these obscure, you know, clauses in the Constitution. And I would go post on Facebook about it, and then people would post and say, would you come to, you know, Washington State and do that? Would you come to, you know, wherever, all over the country? Mm -hmm. And that's what t made it uh, take off. And and I was surprised how hungry people were. I think they kind of knew in their gut this was even, you know, that would have been 14 years ago. Yeah. Even then, they could already tell. You know, we'd already had about two years of the Obama administration. We had the socialist takeover of health care. There was just all of these things happening and people were starting to say, this just doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel like the America I grew up right. in. But they couldn't articulate it and they didn't know how to respond to it. And I think that's why the Constitution classes took off and so many people wanted to be a coach. And, and then one day David Barton says to me, we're literally having uh, lunch in, in the Nashville airport and we're sitting there and there's music, every, you know, because Nashville loud. And he's saying, I, I said, I need to refilm my Constitution class because I filmed it at a church out in East Texas. And he said, you should do it in Independence Hall. I was like, they'll never let me in. Yeah, no, no, yeah. call this guy right here. You know, oh, you know wow. how David is. He's like, call this guy right here and you'll get. And so we did. And that's why, like you said, you know, we teach it in the room and it just brings it to life. When oh, you can wow. say, you know, Ben Franklin stood up and did this and this happened and that happened, it makes it so much better than just falling asleep in a class because some guy's lecturing about it. You know, it's yeah. just a lot more fun. Well, that's awesome. And uh, so now you've kind of taken. Um, that that series, and you've got another one called Biblical Citizenship, which I think probably builds on it, it does. goes a little bit more yeah. in depth as to how we actually get involved and make a difference. And it's basically, I mean, I'm not exaggerating, it's sweeping America. Yeah. The chur churches all over the place of every stripe and denomination are implementing this. Can the Lord has blessed it, it man. And, and, and even in the creation of it, so the Constitution Alive was a lot deeper on the Constitution. What we wanted to do was something that was that was broader and covered more topics and and even more entertaining and bring in more more experts. So about half of constitutional life is in biblical citizenship, but then the rest of it, Kirk Cameron, you know, talking about the monument. If you ever mm, seen him do yes. that, it's just incredible. Uh, of course, David and Tim Barton teaching on all kinds of powerful things, and and so we go through all of this. And like you said, it's literally okay. How do I apply the Bible to citizenship? How do I live this out? But I'll tell you how how amazing the Holy Spirit was through this whole thing. So we, we go to film this thing, and, and we had just done our legislators conference, which you've, you've been to several yeah. times. <clears throat> and David, or Tim, had talked about a response to the 1619 Project mm. and a lot of the black history and bringing all these great black heroes in. And I said, Tim, you got to record that when we do biblical citizenship. And then David had done this thing called Truth and Courage. And we were actually in Georgia doing a barnstorming tour. And I watched him do it like five nights in a row. I said, David, that's got to go in biblical citizenship. So we go to film those two segments at their museum, at Wobbler's Museum. And of course me, you know, not being the good student that I should be, I'm sitting in the back working on something and, and my film crew's filming them doing this, which is my boys, they're the ones that do our, all of our filming. And, and they're filming, I didn't pay attention. 
I get back home, they edit everything, they give me a draft of the edit, and I'm like, where's Truth and Courage? There's none of the stuff I wanted David to do was in there. And so I called David, and I'm like, hey, Barton, what's the deal, man? You were supposed to do Truth and Courage, and you got all this other stuff. And he goes, oh, well, I thought, you know, he said, well, let's go do Truth and Courage. So we fly out to California, we do it in Rob McCoy's church. All of that to say, in that part that I didn't ask him to do, he covers writs of assistance. Now, people at home may not know what a writ of assistance is, but James Otis, in, in 1761, gives this speech on writs of assistance, which is basically a, a, a search warrant with no specifics, meaning just go to Richard's house and find something. Yeah. That's basically what, you know, it's the old communist thing of show me the man, I'll show you the crime. Sort of the Mar-a-Lago. Exactly. Writ, right? Exactly what happened. Now, Mar-a-Lago happens a year after we release biblical citizenship. And David covers writs of assistance in this presentation that I didn't ask him to do, didn't think it was going to be in the class. And, I, and, and I'm thinking, when I'm putting the final class together, I'm like, okay, it was too good. I'm going to go inclu include it, but nobody cares about writs of assistance. A year later, Mar-a-Lago happens. I call David. I'm like, how did you know to put this in there? He goes, I did writs of assistance? <laughs> I'm not kidding you, man. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit guided that whole thing. That's incredible. So as this thing takes off across the country, I can take no credit whatsoever. Of all subjects, <laughs> oh, let's do writs I mean, of assistance. Yeah, who would have wow. thought? And so now people take the class, and as they're watching that and they're learning, because here's what John Adams said. He was at the speech when James Otis gave that speech. And James Otis was a signer. He right? was like a great, no, he wasn't a signer, but he was like a grandfather to the nation, right? Okay. So like he was a great influence on the founders themselves. He kind of, uh, uh, he had a head injury later and kind of, you know, ended up not doing as much as what he probably would have. for president. No. No, yeah. <laughs> That's another guy. Uh, more recent. Um, no, but, but, uh, but John Adams was at the speech. Okay. And he says of the speech, this is John Adams' quotes, quote, he said, independence was then and there born and grew to adolescence 15 years later. So 1761 to 1776. His point being that James Otis, it was like a six, you know, I mean, three hour speech, it, but his, his whole idea of, and the quote, I wish I had, could remember the quote from, from Otis that we use in the class that David Barton used, but it's literally like these officers, and I always insert these FBI officers, but these federal officers basically literally become tyrants with a writ of assistance. If they're not limited, and that's why we have the Fourth Amendment that's limits right. yeah. on search and seizure. That's why all of our due process in the Bill of Rights is there because of that speech by James Otis that David Barton talks about in Biblical Citizenship that I had no idea he was going to talk about, wow. but the Holy Spirit was weaving that whole thing together. Wow, anyway, it's amazing. So, cool. so you're in, uh, you've got 27,000 coaches. Yeah. How many churches uh, have implemented? Man, we've done about 7,000 classes. So not all the coaches have done a class yet. Some of them team up or some of them haven't done yeah. a class yet. About a million people that have been through it. Um, our goal is five million biblical citizens. If we can get five million to go through this, about a hundred thousand coaches, and, and that would produce about ten thousand candidates. So we'd have, you know, candidates for everything from water district to, you know, school board to. We've already got some in Congress and some in, in, in state legislatures across the country, but we need thousands more. Well, that's fantastic. So where can people? Uh, learn more, buy a copy, whatever. Biblicalcivics.com. Biblicalcivics.com. Yeah, if they go to biblicalcitizenship.com, it'll forward. But biblicalcivics.com, and there, that's where Gene Bailey and I talk about it and, and how Flashpoint Army's uh, out there doing it. And um, I'm telling you, it's fun, it's entertaining, mm -hmm. they'll have a great time. Oh, that's awesome. Them. Well, Rick, uh, I, when I look at America today, I'm, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that could be said, and people are always debating you know, how did we get here and all this sort of stuff. And, and, but the biggest hurdle, I think, is the youth of our country. And how are we going to educate the youth of this nation? If you, you know, 
I think a lot of, uh, there's a lot, a big increase in homeschooling right now, but yeah. you still have 85% yeah. of American kids are in public school. And you know, they're there 40 hours a week. Uh, if you're a Christian kid or you're in a Christian home, you might be in church on Sunday and you might get a 30 minute message. Right. Or if you're in youth, it might be a 15 minute watered down message. It's nothing to Compared do with worldview. Compared to 40 hours, yeah. What are we going to do about education? How are we going to reach the youth of this nation? Um, you know, I guess first with the gospel and with biblical worldview, but, but American ideals and the principles on which our nation was founded because this, uh, the, the Gen Zs and the millennials, they think America is a racist, yeah. bigoted, uh, imperialistic country. What are we going to do? You know, the founders of America understood how important education was and why it was so important to get it right from the beginning. It's why that quote I just shared on the stage of, from, from Benjamin Rush about if you're not teaching kids from the beginning to read the Bible in schools, they seldom do that later on in life. It's just part of really training people to be good citizens. Mm -hmm. And the founders' view was Christians make good citizens because you're living out I'm going to treat you the way I want to be treated. Biblical justice instead of social justice. All the things that Christianity does for a culture that's great. You have to teach it from a young age. And we let the Marxists take over our education system. I, I remember 25 years ago when I was a state rep in Texas going over to the State Board of Education and testifying against these textbooks. This is in Texas a quarter of a century ago mm -hmm. that said socialism, communism, and um, capitalism are just three equal ways to form a society. In other words, yeah. a valueless sort of uh, moral relativism right. where any society is the same. Instead of saying, wait, the Declaration says we hold these truths to be self-evident. Mm -hmm. So the founders took a stance that, no, this is better. This is the foundation we're going to build on is truth. So to answer your question, I think it has to be an all-in. Uh, uh, all we, we have to look at every part of education right now and have an education revolution. Mm -hmm. And that means parents out there, I challenge you, if you can, if there's any way possible, get your kid out of public school and either homeschool them or get them in a good Christian school. Churches out there, start a school in your church or a homeschool co-op or some alternative like that but also be involved in the public schools. Like you just said, 85% are still there. I have, I have some friends that say, you know, let it burn, forget the public schools, only focus. I'm like, I'm not gonna leave the kids in there while it's burning. So, you know, David Barton and I both, we still try to influence the standards of public schools. We still encourage people to run for school boards so that mm -hmm. you can at least make it less bad, even if you can't really turn it all the way around. I think it has to be both and, right? Yeah. We, have to, we have to go all in on this education thing because what we teach that next generation, the reason we saw all the riots of 2020 and these kids marching in the street thinking they were part of a righteous cause is because they've been lied to in their education system. The reason you got them marching for Hamas right now yeah. is because we've taught that in the classroom. And so, you know, garbage in, garbage out. Good mm -hmm. stuff in, good stuff out. We've got to change the inputs, and that's going to require an education revolution. I believe in defunding the left by defunding the universities. Do not send your kid to a state university, or, and frankly, even if it has Christian in the name, you better check it out. That's right. Right? Like, send them here to Karis Bible College. There's yeah. only about 10 schools now that David Barton and I both will even recommend right. because there's so few. So anyway, we've got to be intentional, very intentional. It's going to take time. It's going to take a generation, and every parent every student's got to be thinking about this. Yeah. Well, you know, we're in the middle of a culture war. Everybody yeah. recognizes this right now. For the most part, there's no bullets flying, and that's a good thing. Praise God. Amen. But it's still a war, yeah. right? You know, if I look back at, at the wars America has been involved in, the major, you just take the American Revolution, you know, uh, the first year, year and a half was nothing but losses, right? I yeah. mean, from Bunker Hill all the way to Trenton, yeah. We were being chased, you know, from uh, Massachusetts all the way across the Delaware yeah. River, right? We proud Texans. Sam Houston ran, 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 defeat, defeat, you know, 
Let's not complicate things with Texas. No, I'm just joking. But World War II, right? right. I mean, uh, yeah. loss after loss, chased out of the islands, out of Australia, and all the way back to Midway until a turning point. Where are we as an analogy in our culture war in America? Are we getting close to a turning yeah. point? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, we, we, it's been string after string of defeat and all this, but has Satan, has Satan finally overplayed his hand? Are people waking up? Are we about to see something big? I'm probably going to get in trouble for this, but... No, no, I want you to be honest. I, I think we are getting there, but not there. Not there. Right? I think it's closer to a 1770 Boston Massacre type time frame. The, the, the evil and the pain is finally sharp enough and in our face enough that people are waking up like the Boston Massacre did. I hope it doesn't take another four years to Lexington and, and that shot heard around the world that ultimately then, you know, everybody said, yes, we're, we're all in, we want, want to turn this thing around. I think they have gone too far and I think there's a lot of people waking up and we're almost there. Probably enough people have woken up that the war for the heart and soul of America is really going at this point but I think we're in for some tough days. We're, we're in for that, like you're saying, year and a half of defeat sometimes. I think it's a critical time. You know, I think this presidential election is, is critical. I don't think it all rises or falls with one particular election, but man, if we, don't, if we end up with another four years of, of Marxism yeah. uh, at, at the highest levels, it will be very difficult to come back, come back from. And, and, and a President Trump winning doesn't mean it, that it solves everything. That's like one piece of a huge puzzle. Yeah. We have to remake this whole thing. We have to reset the table completely. Mm. We have to get the feds out of our lives for most things. The only reason the Constitution exists, the only reason we have a federal government is for war, commerce, and travel. Mm. That's all we're supposed to do together as a nation. Other than that, Colorado, Free. you should be able to do what yeah. you think is best. Texas, do what we think is best. I don't try to tell you all how to live. You don't tell us how to live. And then we can live together as a nation and defend ourselves against China or whoever it might be. We can have travel. Uh, we can have commerce across state lines. That's it. But the idea that whoever's elected president is going to decide whether or not you have boys going into girls' bathrooms. Yeah. Uh, whoever gets elected president is going to decide what your health care is going to be or whether you take a jab or not. That's crazy. Founding fathers would have never, never. agreed to that. So that, that resetting of the table long term, if we're going to stay together as a nation, is absolutely necessary. Got to get the feds back over here into these. It's about 17 things that the Constitution gives them to do. And then let each state do their own thing. And then we'll have to fight at the state level. And, yeah. and some states, you know, it's going to become very, very blue, and some states are going to become very, very red. I think Colorado, you guys are on the brink. I think you could go either way. I think there's so many patriots in Colorado. You guys could turn this state around, and, and, and you can feel it right now, man. There's a, there's a groundswell here. I, I do think you're in a 1770 situation, Colorado. I think you're in for a few tough more years mm -hmm. before you get there, yeah. but I think positive things are happening. So we have to take a generational view, not expect one, one election to turn everything around. Certainly don't expect one man or woman to turn it around. Uh, it's a generational fight. Well, you spoke uh, at a pastor's roundtable for Turning Point uh, yeah. when you yeah. first got here yeah. over at uh, Karis, and uh, you said something that caught my attention. Um, you, you mean you were actually listening? Well, you wow. know. Wow. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, man. <laughs> I said there was one thing. You know. <laughs> no. No, I, I know you found those scones in the back of the room. <laughs> yeah, though, that's man. it. I was blueberry ones. I was, was hitting yeah. the sweets. <laughs> no, yeah, but you said that uh, in the American Revolution, about 25% of pastors were engaged um, and you said, but sad to say in America, we're not really there. No, it's no. Well, much in less fact, than that. In fact, you must have been eating a scone because I was, I, I was talking about Germany, actually. Ah, and yes. it was 25% of That's German right. pastors that actually <laughs> spoke out against uh, Hitler, 25% that actually supported him, Hitler, and yeah. the 50% that wouldn't take a stance at all. Now, those same numbers, ironically, 
are the American Revolution numbers yes. for, for, for the culture in general, not just churches. But 25% of Americans were Tories. Yeah. They supported the British. 25% okay. were Whigs. They wanted the revolution. 50%, I'm not even sure they know what happened. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the, there's always those who don't pay attention. Yeah. So, so to your point, though, it's a minority, right? We don't need a majority to win. Yeah. We just need people to wake up and get involved. And, and really about 5% can push the whole thing the right direction if they're really engaged. Well, wasn't it Sam Adams said, you don't, you, you don't need a majority. You just need a tireless, tireless irate yes. minority. Yes. Uh, hearts inflamed by Amen. the fires of liberty or yeah. something like well, that. Brush fires of liberty Brush or something. Yeah, 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 I love that. Well, and uh, so at last year's Truth and Liberty Conference, I gave a message on, uh, took it out of, out of uh, the story of Gideon, you know, and Gideon had to go from 30,000 to 300. What is right? that? That's one, a 99% reduction. Yeah, 1%. So, 1%, so, yeah. so, you know, if we're looking in, and yeah, a lot of Christians are going, there's so many pastors who don't get it, and it seems like that we are in a battle, but there may still be some house cleaning being done in the spirit, Amen. you know, as God's looking for a faithful remnant. And I once it's right. winnowed, he can do something. We might still be in that. that that's why, you know, I look for, I consider you a lion, right? I'm looking for other lions, not sheep. And, uh, and, and we need mm -hmm. more, more like that. Yeah. Speaking of Sam Adams, you know, to the ones that, to the, to the, either the woke, you know, the woke or the ones that just don't want to get involved or they're too busy to get involved or make a difference. He had this great quote and maybe it's a little too rude, but he said, crouch down and lick the hand that feeds you. May your uh, chains rest lightly upon you. Uh, and may we never remember that you were our countrymen. In other words, he's wow. saying, enjoy the tyranny that you'll get if you're not willing to get involved. We all owe it to our children and grandchildren and to previous generations to do the best we can with the nation we've been given. And frankly, it's a biblical command anyway to occupy until he returns. Amen, amen. Well, let's talk about uh, a subject that I think is on everybody's minds or it needs to be. It's on all, it should be on every Christian's right, mind right now. And that's the new attack from the left that's uh, uh, just crescendoing right now. I don't know. Uh, Christian nationalism. Yeah. Uh, I've been trying to sound an alarm on this for uh, a few months. Uh, James Carville recently on the Bill Maher show said that uh, Mike Johnson, Speaker of the House, is a Christian nationalist. And then he, in anger, he said, Christian nationalists are more dangerous to America than Al Qaeda. And, uh, you know, we let things bounce off of us, but we can't let that bounce off, Rick, because yeah. he's saying that we are more of a threat to America than people that murdered over 3,000 exactly. innocent Americans on our own soil. And uh, there have been articles coming out, and now we've got uh, Rob Reiner doing a documentary that's about to hit theaters, uh, basically accusing, that they're not saying who exactly it is, but we know they're talking about conservative Christian oh, yeah. evangelicals and trying to paint us as Nazis and as violent extremists bent on overthrowing the government. What's your take on, on this? How serious is it? And what's the response? What's well, very serious because their target is not even their own people, right? Their target is our people. Mm -hmm. They're trying to intimidate believers and intimidate Christians who will think, because they'll get this picture in their mind, what is a Christian nationalist? Well, that must be somebody that's like a Nazi. That must be somebody that's like a, uh, they're going to they're gonna be a theocrat. They're only going to let Christians live in America. They're going to run everybody else. Uh, they're going to be hanging people in the street. I mean, they just create this image yes. that's ridiculous. And so then Christians actually say, well, I don't want to be that. So that must mean that I'm not supposed to vote or that I'm not supposed to speak up or I wouldn't dare say that something's right or wrong or I wouldn't wear a, you know, a, a, a hat or a shirt for a candidate of my choice. So it works, man. It, it mm -hmm. causes a lot of people uh, to disengage. 
And it's all based on lies, of course. I mean, that Carville interview was just ridiculous. The things he said, Mike Johnson's a great man. I mean, this guy's a godly man. You know, I disagree with some of the things that he's doing as speaker, but he's, he's a guy that loves the Lord, loves the Constitution, teaches the Constitution, mm -hmm. and, and Carville made him out to be somebody that hates the Constitution. Wants to get, he literally said he wants to get rid of the Constitution. I know, it's I'm incredible. Going, this guy That's knows nothing saying. about Mike Johnson. And same thing with Rob Reiner. He's in an interview with uh, Scarborough, and he actually says in the interview, that these people don't understand, they hate separation of church and state, and it's in the Constitution three times. Well, first, Joe Scarborough says, it's in the Constitution. Rob Reiner ups his ante of lie and says, I'll see your separation of church and state. He didn't say that. Either. I'll see your separation. It's in there three times. I'm going, uh, really? And so Gene and I are texting each other going, uh, yeah, and so Gene puts it on, on Facebook or something or on Twitter and says, can you please show me where that is? Because, of course, it's not in there. Anyway, it's all based on lies, but they're really good at it. Mm -hmm. Richard, you're right to sound the alarm. They're really good at these. I mean, think about it. These are the Hollywood people that know how to market. Mm -hmm. They know how to package this. They know what will scare people out. So we have to respond to it. And we have to learn how to ask the right questions. When they say that to me, like I'll be on shows all the time and they'll be like, well, are you a Christian nationalist or what is it? And I'm like, well, what do you mean by that? Mm -hmm. I'm a patriot. I love my country. Go look at the 1828 Webster's Dictionary. Patriotism says you love your country yep. and you're willing to defend the values of your nation. Of course I'm a patriot. You know, now I don't know what a nationalist means the way that they say it. Am I a Christian? Absolutely, I, I, I'm a Christian. But the beauty of Christian patriotism is that we create an environment for all people. The beauty of our nation, you ask most Jewish rabbis and they'll tell you, America has been the greatest place for Jews to live and, and thrive and be free. Rabbi Lappin even says that in our class mm -hmm. on, on biblical citizenship. Um, you know, it, it is the greatest nation on the planet because of the Christian foundations. Right. So the Muslim, the, the Hindu, the secularist, the atheist, everybody gets to enjoy the benefit of a Christian culture. But if we recede, and now you have a value system that's not based on treat your neighbor the way you want to be treated. It's more power grab, get whatever you can. Man, I don't think the Muslim, the, the Jew, the, the Hindu, the Christian, anybody wants to live in that society. Well, there's something really ironic about them saying that uh, we, Christian, you're, that, that we're like the fascists of Germany. Right yeah. when it when it was the fascists of Germany who persecuted Christians who stood up against them killed Dietrich Bonhoeffer. That's right. And it was the passive Christians that allowed that That's to exactly happen right. in the first place. So it's exactly once right. again I think progressives are accusing us of exactly what they're. Oh, you're so right, man. They project. Yeah. They well, I mean, look at all the claims against Trump. Yeah. They impeached Trump for exactly yeah. what Biden was doing. Yeah. Totally. Right. But what it does is it kind of inoculates the, the, the masses. Yeah. So that now now when he's found innocent and then somebody says we should charge Biden, they're just like, oh, you're just tit for tat. Yeah. Well, no, but they had already played yeah. that card. Right. Yeah. So they're very good at that projection. No doubt. Well, about it. so so real quick, we quick. We've got two minutes left. Um, uh, why is it OK for us to to advocate for things like the Ten Commandments on display, prayer at public events, um, you know, na a National Day of Prayer, uh, the prayer proclamations, yeah. having God present, and not just any God, but you know, the God of the Bible, right. in our public life if we don't believe in an established church. Yeah, because the values, we're not telling anybody that they have to become a Christian yeah. or they have to give their life to Christ, but we are saying that we believe murder is wrong. And the reason we believe murder is wrong is because it's in the Ten Commandments. We believe stealing is wrong. It's not just because we think it might be wrong mm -hmm. or that it creates a bad result. It's because of the foundation of the Ten Commandments. So we're really saying these foundational truths produce a good society. 
and we're following the advice of our founding fathers who said that we should acknowledge God, that it humbles us, it makes us recognize the source of our freedom. It also separates the difference between the French Revolution and the American Revolution, where the French, they wanted freedom, they wanted the outcome, Excellent. but they wanted it without God, and it didn't work, it led right. to the guillotine. We yeah. say freedom from God, because then I'll live it out respecting His authority, which means I'll treat you like I want to be treated. The kind of radical secularism that they're pushing uh, has never led to freedom. Has Least it? it always leads to Amen. tyranny. There's Amen. no example in history every time that they can point to. Every time. Yeah. All right. Well, so your your website again. PatriotAcademy.com uh, is the is the, we'll have all of our different programs. Okay. If you just want to do the biblical citizenship class, biblicalcivics.com. All right. Awesome. Well, um, man, it's been great having you out here. You bet. Yeah. Just 45 seconds left. What do you want people to know today about? You know, what's your last word for? Uh, well, just be encouraged and, and, okay. and be ready for tough times. Don't let that discourage you. If we have to go through a few years of tough times, that's okay. You know, we're yeah. paying the consequence for bad decisions in the past. Don't get down. Yeah. God's got this. And, and we're just supposed to do our duty and leave the results up to Him. Get in community. Find other people that share your values. Sharpen each other's countenance and stay in the fight. Yeah, amen. Awesome, Rick. Yeah. You know, I'd say to you guys that are watching, we're about to come up on a break here. We're real excited about our next uh, set of guests. It's going to be Lance Wall now and uh, Pastor uh, Hank Kuhneman. Um, America has been through tough times before. We're going to be in tough times again. But let's hang in there, guys. Uh, we're going to win this thing. I know it. Amen. So, Thanks, Richard. All right. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we have big plans to make a big impact. If you want to be a part of turning our nation back to God, I want to invite you to become a supporter of Truth and Liberty. You can go on our website at truthandliberty.net to the donate page and make a gift there. And you can also sign up to be uh, make a recurring automatic gift of $5 or more per month, and then you'll become a Truth and Liberty member. And uh, our gifts to Truth and Liberty are not tax deductible, but I promise you, God sees your generosity. So go to Truth and Liberty and become a member today. Are you in ministry and want to connect with other like-minded ministers? Andrew Womack founded the Association of Related Ministries International, or ARMY, to serve, equip, and empower you for success in your ministry through relationships, community, and resources. But just being a part of this, uh, being filled with the Word of God and with ARMY, fellowshipping, knowing that I have other ministers with me, it is awesome. We have met such precious people through Army. Uh, there's people I know I can call when I'm in a jam. Ministers have a safe place to come. We can unify and unite for the kingdom. As an Army member, some of the benefits you'll enjoy are Bible teaching correspondence courses, regional advocates for personal support and ministry, regional events for networking, one-on-one -on -one ministry, and encouragement our monthly newsletter, and more. You don't have to do ministry alone. Join this growing network of dynamic and elite ministers from across the U.S. and around the world today. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, all you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. 
All right, well, we're back now after a break. Wasn't that an amazing segment there with Rick Green? What a patriot, what a leader. Just have so much respect for him. Well, our guest in this second segment on this one-of-a-kind Truth and Liberty is someone all of you know and love, and it's uh, my good friend Lance Wallnow. My Lance. dear brother, Richard, how are you? Thanks for being here. Glad to be here. Yeah. It's great to see all of you. Well, how are things going over at uh, Flashpoint? It's been an awesome conference so far. Yeah, well, you know, it was kind of interesting because Today we had one of those touchdown moments when the Spirit of God came down and I was sitting in the back and uh, I just spoken. And the presence of the Lord was so strong, you know, you can tell it happens because it distracts you. I mean, you're in another part of a building and you're pulled over like, what's going on? And I was drawn in, of course, there was this interruption of the service, really the Spirit of God just came down. But it tells us that we're on the right track. Amen. It was, I came in for the last part of it and you, Walk in the auditorium, you felt the anointing. It was, yeah. it was awesome. So, um, well, catch people up with what's going on in your ministry and what do you have planned for 2024? Well, you know, I heard you mentioning and with, with Rick and uh, in an earlier interview here about the Christian nationalism thing and about this Rob Reiner movie. Well, yes. I didn't even know about it. Gene, of course, Gene Bailey, he keeps track of all the persecution. So he alerted me that he and I are both in the trailer. So we will be targeted in the movie. And evidently they had spies at a Flashpoint event. So they covered it uh, okay. uh, from their angle. And mm -hmm. I, I think it's fascinating in a way that the articles that are coming out from, you know, like it'll be Daily Beast or they actually have assigned a full-time journalist on Rolling Stone magazine to, uh, to, to, to Christian nationalism okay. with us at the top of their poster uh, you know, list of the post office of suspects. And it's... Um, and it alerts me to the fact that we're living in a day when if you aren't, uh, if, you, if you don't take control of your mind, you can come under the power of a strong delusion. Yes. And I, and I was actually yes, looking up the verse in yeah. Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians, where the Bible says that the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth. Yeah. Now that's an interesting statement. Yes, it is. Because what that means is the journalist will be presented. They're here, for instance, at this conference. I don't know where they are, but I was told they're here. So they're watching. Now here's what, I, think about what has to go on in their mind. They might be there and then they have to listen to us, but their prejudices are being challenged by the fact that we're not sounding like they thought we would sound, mm -hmm. or we're not fulfilling the script. This has happened to me before. I've been to Harvard at protests, and the students who were organizing the protests were conflicted because when they met me and hung out with me, I wasn't what they were told I was supposed to be, and that they revealed their background. But you see, they weren't journalists. Mm -hmm. That meant that they didn't have the incentive to believe a lie. Yeah. But if you're a journalist, if you're working in a corporation where they're expecting you to come back with a hit piece and where the team is dismissive of, uh, of, of the, the target, how can you go back and do anything but suppress the truth mm. and write the article they want? Yeah. The moment you go down that road, you have begun to enter the next verse, which says, for this reason, God will send them a strong delusion. strong delusion. And they believe the lie. They believe their own lie, yeah. So a lot of these people, I don't know if they can come out of it, because I think they, they rejected the truth early, and now they're 
suffering the judgment of believing a deception. Yeah, the, the same spiritual dynamic you see it in Romans 1, right, where uh, the, the, <coughs> neither were thankful, so God gave them over, right? It's a hardening of the heart that happens in them. Uh, we, we continue to pray for them for sure. Do you ever think about this though? I mean, I can remember, I was going through a period of time in my church, a pastor, believe it or not. For 25 years? Uh, it's a ter- uh, you know, I remember Kenneth Hagin saying how he pastored, right? Yeah. And he said, uh, when you're not doing what you're called to do, it's kind of like taking a shower with your socks on. <laughs> And like for 25 years, I took a shower with my socks on. I was wet, but it didn't feel right. Then when I started teaching and doing this, what I'm doing now, it felt natural. But what I was going to, I was going to say something there. Well, I forget what it was. Oh, yeah. It'll, it'll, come, it'll come back. We're to talking me. about turning them over. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So in the church, we would have, I remember we had the period of revivals that were going on around the country, Rodney Howard Brown, Toronto, Pensacola. And my church was, of course, in the, in the, in the flow with it. I worked with Randy Clark. I worked with... Uh, Kim Clement, I worked with all of them. I loved Heidi Baker. So I'd have them come to my church. And I noticed something. I noticed that I had church splits. Now, maybe other better pastors wouldn't have had them. But I had everyone with demons were manifesting. Hmm. If they had legalism, they were manifesting. It, and it's, you know, I was thinking, what's wrong with my church? Because, and I remember one day, I was going out trying to put out all the fires. And I realized that God was lighting them. Mm-hmm. So, and here's the point. Sometimes we think, you know, I'm going, I'm trying to win over my enemy. And if I look at some of these verses, God may actually have already lifted himself. I'm saying God might actually have lifted his, he already made the determine what he's going to do. And it's not going to be win them over. Now, my job is to still be a witness. Mm-hmm. Paul went to Rome to appear before Caesar. Who was Caesar when Paul went before Rome? Nero. Mm. Nero wasn't going to repent. No. Nero was reprobate. But then Paul refers to saints in Caesar's house. Yes, sir. Yeah. The reason why, I'm just saying this for some of you people out there, the reason why you still stay in the ambassadorial grace of the kingdom is not because the person you're dealing with um, is going to change, but the people who are watching you and listening are going to become the saints in Caesar's house. Wow, that's powerful. And I think that that verse you're, you're referred to, saints in Caesar's house, those, uh, some people say today, Christians stay out of government, stay out of all these places. Jesus never told us to go into politics. The apostles didn't get involved in politics. So, but, so we have a government in the, in the Bible times, the Roman Empire, it's not democratic in the sense we think of it today. But is, is that a right conclusion or a wrong conclusion from Scripture that we should just uh, share the gospel one-on-one and not worry about influencing the uh, the. I used to think the same thing. I used to think the same thing. And, and it's because a religious spirit works so brilliantly with Christians. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's different demons that work well with different groups, you know, obviously. Violent spirits work good with, you know, cartels and lust spirits work good in the, you know, the LGBT community. But with Christians, we have a, we have a subtle spirit called religion. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it masquerades as a, a piety that challenges you to, so I can remember when I was in business feeling conflicted that I was in business mm. because if I really loved the Lord, I would be a missionary. Mm. I would be a soul winner. And not just any missionary, I'd go to Africa. I'd go someplace where I don't want to go because that would prove I love Jesus. And I would be poor because in a sense that, that self-denial sounds so much more like the disposition of sacrifice. And I had this immense religious burden on me. 
And then when, then when I actually met the Lord and started uh, experiencing him, I realized, why would God send me where I'm totally ill-equipped to function? I mean, I, I'd be hilarious out there in, in a mission field, you know, in the jungle. And I even, I, I even uh, made, I've even done it. It's not my forte, obviously. So, so the, uh, I'm good at communicating. So if I was in another country with another language, it would be I'd talk through an interpreter. It would be just, I, all the things that I do would not be, my point is this. The religious spirit tells us that you can only serve God in the sanctuary, in the children's church, on the platform with a guitar, youth ministry or preacher, be an elder, be a deacon. And if you're a business person, your only function is to make money to pay for the vision of the church. Mm. That's a religious spirit. Yep. Meanwhile, um, the, I'm part Jew, so I do know some of the Old Testament, and I got family in Israel, and I'll tell you something. The New Covenant is based on better promises with better provisions. Amen. Guess what in the Old Covenant we had? We had kings. Yeah. In the Old Covenant, we had Solomon. Mm -hmm. In the Old Covenant, we had, uh, we had land that was given to us. In the Old Covenant, uh, we actually had the promise of Abraham, which was seven streams of income. That they, why would God give us a superior covenant with superior promises and gut half of the benefits? That, so we're supposed to be the head and not the tail, is my point. Christians should be the head and not the tail. And by the way, when we are the head and not the tail, uh, we have abolition and we end up eradicating slavery. We have a civil rights movement. We end up eradicating the post-slavery uh, period. We do more in 100 years of American history than any other country's done in 800 years in eradicating a problem because Christianity is supposed to be the force that shapes culture. It's not supposed to be separated from culture. It's supposed to be salt and light engaged. So all of that stuff that we were taught about not being involved with politics, is a religious yes. spirit. Any, it seems like anywhere you hear or sense a secular sacred division, you know that's a religious spirit. Because in God's uh -huh. eyes, everything is sacred. The devil loves it. Yeah. He doesn't want you on the campus. He doesn't want you in Wall Street. He doesn't want you making a movie. Because if you were, then you'd be around the elites that need to get saved. And the next thing you know, you'll be like Wilberforce. Mm -hmm. You'll end up, um, you know, getting converted, and then you'll end up going to Parliament like Wilberforce. Yep. This is the ignorance of Christianity. You would go into Parliament, and then for 30 years, you would form 300 societies that would transform the culture of England and eradicate Crazy. slavery. That's so awful. How did that happen? Because he didn't listen to a religious spirit. You know, have you seen the movie Amazing Grace? Mm -hmm. It's about Wilberforce's life, and there's a scene in it when he's, uh, he's at his estate, and uh, they have a dinner party planned. He doesn't realize what's about to happen to him, but his good buddy who's an abolitionist brings in all these other Christian activists and they all sort of gang up on him and say, you need to run for parliament. And, uh, and he's like, well, I, I just wanna serve God. I wanna be, I, I wanna spread the gospel. And this one woman says to him, may I respectfully submit to you that you can do both. In other words, you can advance the kingdom of God by being Listen to this, in people. life. Listen to this because this, this, is, this is still an issue. I mean, I talked to somebody who, who is here, that works here, uh -huh. and, I, and I love this guy because he helped me get involved with uh, media. And he said it was actually only when he heard me a couple years ago on the Seven Mountains that he finally had peace over the fact that he wasn't doing the ministry his father wanted, which was pastoring. Uh -huh. yep. He had that conflict that, that you know, is what I'm doing is okay, but my dad said the real high calling is in the pulpit. Mm -hmm. He wasn't called to do that. He right. was called to do something else. 
Yeah, I'm reminded of David, I think it's David Green, founder of Hobby Lobby. In his biography, he talks about how when he was young, his family was, you know, Pentecostal and a line of preachers, his dad, his granddad, and all the way up right. the line. And he felt like that he was supposed to be a preacher and he loved Jesus, but he didn't want to be a preacher. Uh, he went to work at some local general store and designed their window display and had the best time doing it and, and realized that, you know, where his gifts were. And look at him now uh, as he is having massive influence through his family and his oh, sure. businesses. And uh, so we, we got to break this, this Wait, mindset down. It's, it's um, I don't want to say it's too late, but I'm saying that if we don't get it by now, but look, I know, yeah. I just heard someone tell me today, it was a Lou Engel. I will verify it before I make a incendiary public comment. But there is a very well-known motivational trainer, teacher, business leader in the body of Christ, hmm. who uh, I was told just delivered a message to 800 pastors saying, in this election season, stay out of politics and focus on, don't let, don't let division and strife uh, get into your pulpit or into your church. Mm. And, and I, I just, when I heard it, wow. I thought, that sounds so enlightened. Doesn't it? Doesn't it? So peaceful. Let's, you know, so I guess if there's slavery, we should stay out of the slave controversy and focus on the unity and maybe we'll win souls and eventually God will deal with it. That's right. That's not how it works. Yeah. Wasn't it, didn't Jesus say, I came not to bring peace, but a sword? Oh, now you're meddling. Yeah. So, um, well, Lance, uh, you gave a message this morning. You hit on like two or three different things, but uh, one of the things you were talking about I had never heard you minister on, I thought was just fantastic, was that you linked together two passages. Uh, at least this is how I took it. Um, you link together um, the, the idea that G when Jesus said, uh, when these things begin to happen, look up for your redemption draweth nigh. And then also uh, uh, you were talking about the, the, the passage from Haggai where God says, um, I'm going to build a new temple and fill this temple with my glory. I'm going to shake the Everything. heavens and the earth. Yep. Can you just summarize that for our viewers? Uh, you sure can, because the, uh, when Hamas attacked Israel, I noticed something strange because I was in Israel for the Feast of Tabernacles. And then I noticed that they chose demonically the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. And I thought, that's so strange, the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. And I went to Haggai and I noticed that Haggai preaches about the shaking of the heavens and the earth and the building of the temple on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. And he, I said, who but the Spirit of God? Mm -hmm. could have orchestrated the verse that deals with the shaking of nations and the date in which Hamas attacked. And this situation in the Middle East is, gonna, is not going to stop. It's the beginning of birth pangs that mm -hmm. are going to continue to ripple. That's what that means. But yeah. the thing that got me was the, that the battle is the shaking of heavens. And I thought, well, why would God shake up him? him see, you can't shake an unshakable kingdom. And we're receiving an unshakable kingdom according to the 12th chapter of Hebrews. Hebrews. So therefore... We're in the process right now of receiving the kingdom during a period when Satan is getting shaken. Mm -hmm. And because he's getting shaken, all the systems, all the corruption, all the flesh, all the idolatry under him in the nations is not stable. Mm. So this is actually the time when it's going to look like darkness is going to get darker, but upon you, my light shall come. And this fulfills the verse in Haggai that a glorious church greater than the former. Mm -hmm. Think about that. Greater than the book of Acts. Yeah. We're entering into the very best days 
during the very darkest of uh, climates. Yeah, because that, that verse in Haggai also says, the desire of nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. So, Hallelujah. either way we win, right? Well, and, and the reason why, I, reason why that verse is so important is the, is the part that I, I was saying today is, Jesus said, when these things begin to happen, look up, for your redemption draws nigh. And I, something in my spirit was triggered by that. And I thought, you know, I probably, I study Rick Renner, I study all the word preachers, you know, for years, 40 years. I thought, it's amazing how God will give me something new that, that is original. You know, when I've heard, almost, I thought I heard everything. But the Lord goes, look it up, draws nigh. And I go, well, you know, and uh, when these things begin to happen, when the powers of heaven begin to get shaken, when, it, when the beginning of this thing happens, look up, your redemption draws nigh. I look at the word draws nigh, and it's in Gedzai. In Gedzai, literally, I, you check to see where it's used. And as Jesus drew near unto Bethany, I looked it up, it said, to move close in physical proximity, to be in the presence of. Mm. All the verses have to do with Jesus physically getting, and then I realized, the reason why hell is shaking is because the kingdom of heaven is drawing nigh. Wow. Jesus is coming, and as he's coming, you know, I thought it was going to be like one step blip from here and then a quantum leap. He's at the kingdom of heaven is now pressing hell. And as it's pressing hell, as it says in Revelation chapter 12, oh, there's wow. no more room for them in the heavens and they're thrust down. Wow. We're in the moment when hell is being shaken. Yeah. The heavens are being shaken. And, it, and in, I think it's, uh, is it Revelation 12? I'm not sure, but it says that the dragon is cast down. Yeah, that's great wrath because he knows his time is short. And the time is three and a half years. Yeah. So, so the shaking, and then, then I looked up the word tribulation. So I, I, I said for these, you know, the tribulation, it's a bothersome word. But Jesus did say in the world you shall have tribulation, mm -hmm. but be a good cheer, I've overcome. But that word tribulation, I finally got at the Greek, it's thelipsis. And it literally means, like I got these pages here, it literally means to compress the layers. Uh -huh. So it's, it's to press you into a place where you feel you don't have wiggle room. Everyone's, you're getting pressed. But who's getting pressed? Satan is getting pressed. Mm -hmm. And it culminates in Michael and his angels fighting with the devil and his angels, and there's no more room for them. Bam! Wow. We're heading towards that now. Yeah, that's incredible. That's really awesome. Well, um, We've got some calls on the line, about eight minutes left in this segment. You want to take some? Well, how can I not take After it? I have I this thing in my ear. No, I'd rather not talk to anyone. Here, uh, let's go to our first caller, who's Louisa from New Jersey. Uh, Louisa, thank you so much for calling in on Truth and Liberty. What's your question today? Thank you. Um, I'm sorry, I just got in and put this on my cell phone. Um, I'm not sure everything that you were talking about. But I believe also... That's okay, I'm not either. <laughs> no, it's okay, go ahead. Also, liberty in, in the churches right now, why aren't they standing up, which is a command, and backing Israel? Why aren't they standing up in the front of the congregation and as a whole saying, we're going to support them financially, mentally, emotionally, prayer-wise, spiritually, um, can people gather this, 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 uh, all will take it there for free in Newark, New Jersey, you know? Um, why aren't they doing anything? Yeah, why, why aren't churches standing up for Israel? Good question. Thank you. Um, what do you think, Lance? Well, first of all, I don't have enough data to be able to quantify that churches are not standing up for Israel. I'll tell you that the challenge 
isn't uh, churches, it's pastors and leaders who, uh, because of the reluctance to get involved with controversy, uh, if they see controversy, they, they back up from it. So many will, will exhort that we stand with Israel, we support Israel, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, but they won't focus on the subject. What to me is um, really bizarre is that you have this sentiment in Europe and in the United States that would be pro-Hamas when Hamas literally went in and raped, killed, murdered, and took hostage, uh, you know. babies. Yeah, I mean, like an 1,100 people, elderly, et cetera. In other words, the fact that you have such an ideological, and in Harvard, of all places, where they literally have a whole unity expression, that bothers me more than the churches, because I believe the church, its people, stand with Israel. Its leaders are reluctant to be in controversy. So I separate the two, always. Um, but what really ought to be worthy of looking at is how, um, how dangerous are the campuses becoming that young people are being taught to support the kind of brutality and, and, and satanic behavior that you see exhibited by Hamas against innocent um, Jews. And so that's, that's the part that I think is worth exploring because it tells me that there's something that we're not dealing with, and that is the church really needs to take seriously how the indoctrination of youth in the campuses and in the classroom is, is accelerating the destruction of America. And it might mean that we've got to once again get out of our I don't get involved with politics thing because the school board is political. Mm -hmm. And you better get involved because if you do, the data we've got is you can stop the indoctrination. You know, uh, I want to take a shot at seeing if I can weave all this stuff together. Uh, Andrew says, and I, I agree with him completely, that the cancel culture and all of this is the spirit of Antichrist. I, I think you probably agree with that too. Um, if you look at Revelation, I think again it's chapter 12, but it, I may be wrong on the chapter, but it, it, it talks about the, the woman with the, the, the stars around her head and the moon under her feet. She gives birth to a man child. It, it's clearly a picture of Jesus. Uh, I believe Catholics will say the woman is Mary, but I think it's actually a, uh, the church, and, and, or, or Israel, I mean. It's actually Israel. And she flees into the wilderness. Satan pursues after her, but there are wings given to her, and she flies away and is protected. And then he turns against the saints. So I think that spirit of Antichrist goes really what the devil's after. He wants to exterminate the Word of God from the earth. And he goes first after the Jews who are the custodians of the word, and then he comes after the Christians. This spirit that we're seeing on our college campuses, if we don't do something, that spirit of Antichrist, we're next on the list, just like we're seeing with this whole Christian nationalism movement. And it, it just makes me think, uh, you know, we are in a dangerous time right now. We're in a great time, but we need to wake up. Yeah, and uh, one of the questions somebody has here, I won't, I won't I'm, I'm just going to refer to it because I don't know if you were going to skip it. I was going to skip it. But, yeah, let me just, let me, I want to tell, tell you guys what this question is because it's so goofy. But it's like some Flashpoint, do you think some Flashpoint, flashpoint guests might have wrong motives? Okay, let's talk about that for a second. Um, if I wanted to uh, protect myself from attacks, I would not be doing this. Mm. So this is kind of like going to the, the arena with a bull and waving the red, the red flag. Right. Because what we do with Flashpoint, 
is we take the subjects nobody else wants to take and give a viewpoint nobody else wants to hear. And then we put a target on ourselves so that all the demons that are avoiding the, um, the Christians that don't go there mm-hmm. are now finding the targets they can go after. So, so the, 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 what I'm saying is the beauty of the calling right now for the body of Christ is it's, it's a persecution that refines, but it also defines. And it will define the gift, the call, the anointing, and the power. And the Lord keeps on taking me to verses like Ezekiel. Son of man, I have made your forehead as an adamant. And I looked it up as diamond. And so I've made your forehead hard so that they will come against you. But you because nobody wants the conflict. I mean, yeah. really, this is why a lot of preachers avoid the, t- the conflict. It's, you don't really, unless, unless you're of a certain weird disposition, most people would rather be liked than not liked. Yes. But it costs something to own the truth in this hour. And so it's a, it's a purifying that comes with the ministry. Mm, wow. Well, so, yeah, I mean, you've got better <laughs> things to do than to be attacked by Rob Reiner in a nationwide documentary. Yeah, and, and, you know, and what, really, what really gets me is um, I get mad. Mm. Now, now, here's the worst part. The Christians, you know what really gets me? It's, uh, it's the fact that um, Russell Moore and David French, I'm throwing names out there, Beth Moore, these are people with big followings and lots of influence in the evangelical world who are agreeing with the accuser mm. to target the move of God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm calling it out now. Yeah. I have no choice because they're naming me. Yeah. So I'm going to have to start naming names. This is going to get very interesting very fast because what we have is, I, I, I'm going to share something real quick. The Lord gave me a, a revelation once about David. You know, there, were, there was a test in David's kingdom. There was a king, uh, there, was, there was a priest named Abiathar who was a priest. That priest had two tests. One of them was Absalom. The other one was Adonijah. Mm-hmm. He passed the Absalom test, which means that he discerned that Absalom was wrong and he stayed faithful with David. But when Adonijah came along, who was another king, another son, mm-hmm. he sided on the wrong side against the kingdom. And I thought, Oh, and David had to judge him. Now, he didn't kill him, but he was taken out of his office of priesthood. He was withdrawn. The anointing from God was taken from him. Here's the point. I think we're living in a day where we've got to be very careful. Donald Trump is really like a test. People that get him wrong go way off. Mm. I mean, they're not just neutral. And if you don't like him or you don't get involved in politics, you're probably safe. But the adversaries... Man, do they go whack. I mean, yeah. I've been with them. They, they lose their brain. Mm-hmm. I think we're living in a time now where there could be multiple tests, and you've got to stay humble, and you've got to stay in the fear of the Lord, in the Word, and in a sound mind, because it's possible to get it right once and get it wrong then. And now we've got leaders I've respected who are speaking against the move of God. Wow. Yeah, it's a time to They're missing draw, the second test. To draw close uh, to the Lord, to the Spirit, to the Word. Lance, I'm sorry, but we are out of time. Sorry. I'd love to keep going. Awesome time together. Thank you so much. Um, everybody be sure to check out Lance's uh, website. What is it? LanceWalla.com. There you go. All right. And coming up in our next segment are two new young conservative Christian leaders, uh, Luke Ball and Kylie Jean Tannehill. You're going to love this next segment, so don't go away. We'll be right back after a short break. With practical government, you have experts in the fields that are sharing their perspective, wisdom, and experience. It's not available anywhere else in the world. 
We're going to teach a Christian heritage of our American government. They're going to learn about the Founding Fathers. We're teaching the Constitution, how government operates, practical skills, and field study. No matter where you're coming from, the world needs you. Whatever God's calling you to do, you're able to do it. To learn more, visit practicalgovernmentschool.com. Hey, you know, a big part of what we do here at Truth and Liberty is to provide you with the resources that you need in order to stand for truth in the public square. So I want to remind everybody to go to our website and check out our resources page at truthandliberty.net slash resources, where you can find material that discusses just about every issue we're facing today in our culture. And these are things that are prepared by our strategic partners and some of the uh, most influential and important organizations in America today. I'd like to invite you to join me either as an attendee or as a sponsor of our Truth and Liberty Awards Banquet in 24. We started this last year, and this year the winner of our Samuel Adams Award is Pat Bradley with Crisis Aid International. I tell you, he is one amazing person. And then Coach Joe Kennedy gets the Samuel Whitmore Award, and I tell you, that's gonna be great. And our guest speaker is Riley Gaines the lady that has been standing up for, you know, getting men out of women's sports. It's gonna be a great time. It's May the 3rd. It'll be at our Karis Bible College, and we do have uh, sponsorships. This is a fundraiser as well as an award banquet. So if you would go to our website at truthandliberty.net, uh, you can get all the information and join us on May the 3rd for our Truth and Liberty Awards Banquet. Okay, well, we're back now live on Truth and Liberty, and uh, I hope you enjoyed the last segment uh, with Lance Wall. Now, Lance is just an incredible guy. What a gift, what an anointing. Um, and I am super excited about this segment, too, because I have two new guests, uh, never been on Truth and Liberty before. In fact, I just met uh, both of these folks at this Flashpoint conference, and I tell you what, I am super impressed. Um, so without further ado, let me introduce to you first, Kylie Jean Tannehill. Yes. Kylie Jean, you have a background in news and in entertainment and in uh, that sort of thing in the media industry, and uh, you used to be a news anchor, I guess it was, or, or something like that. I was in journalism, so, I'm yes. sorry, I haven't had time no, to study. No, that's totally fine, you're journalism. okay. Yes. So welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you so much Thank for coming so on much. the show. Oh, it's such an honor to be here with you today. And I can't think of a better platform than some place that stands on Truth and Liberty. Well, thank you. That's awesome. And Luke Ball is with us, a uh, new friend. Luke, and both Luke and Kylie Jean are speakers at this Flashpoint event. And Luke, you have a background uh, in politics as well, political consulting, yeah. helping candidates with messaging. You served on Capitol Hill and have uh, advised governor candidates, congressional candidates, all everybody from stem to stern. Uh, thanks for coming on Truth and Liberty. Thank you for having me. It's exciting to be here. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Well, our regular viewers, you'll notice right away the, that I've got gray hair and they don't. They're like, uh, After Capitol Hill, I have five or six. Five or six. I've noticed one or two of them, yeah. I remember when I had my first gray hair noticeable, it was traumatic. But, uh, <laughs> no, anyway, it's good to have you guys. And, you know, um, what an event this has been. I went to, um, I want to just start off visiting with you first off about what is happening in our culture among, um, you know, the younger generation. Now, you guys are pro probably both in your 30s, I would guess, or something like that. And, uh, um, you know, we hear all the time headlines, scary news, millennials are turning away from Christ, leaving the church, uh, running to the Democrat Party, woke, progressive. 
you guys have got to be exceptions to this. Can you just both share with, first off, your perspective, what is happening among uh, the youth of America and young people you know, under the age of 40 right now? All the way down. Yeah, go ahead, Kyle. I was gonna say, you wanna kick it off? I'll kick it off. I think that there is a faction that has been drawn away. And I think that that group of people have been very loud, they've been boisterous, and they've been some of the people who basically have been sucked in by some of, as I call them, the poison ivy colleges, the ones who have gotten lumped in with the academics who then try to associate progressive ideology alongside of academia. But I believe that there is a new generation of people that have watched their friends go into this and watched the direction they have gone. And it is not an appealing mm -hmm. direction because I think that after you see someone go into college and come out of college and go through this, and even people who just get lumped in on social media, as we were talking about earlier on Flashpoint Live, the ones who are under the influence of a lot of the ideology that is being pushed out there by the progressive left, it's not an appealing outcome. It's not an appealing result. And I believe that once you go through life a little bit and you have to stop and look back and say, have I actually made the right decisions up mm -hmm. until this point? Because it's not panned out very well for me. So I think that there are some people that have been drawn away, but I believe that there's another faction of young people who have said, I don't think that's the right way to go. And the people who are saying that truth is relative and that there is no absolute truth find themselves in a position where they're having to articulate to other people that if you don't stand for my truth, then you are a bigot. And then it's like, wait a second, you're saying that there's an absolute truth here. Their logic doesn't make sense. Their lifestyle doesn't make sense. And ultimately it is quite appealing to see people who are standing on the truth of the word of God, who are saying that I'm not going to go the way of culture, I'm going to go counterculture. And that I believe is kind of giving rise to a new generation of people who were saying, I don't believe that the world has all the answers right. Yeah. I think it was Winston Churchill that said, uh, I love this quote, he said, if you're not a liberal when you're young, then you have no heart. If you're not a conservative when you're old, then you have no brain. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right? I've so, heard my dad say that. Oh, have you? Oh, sorry. <laughs> okay. yes. So I didn't impress you with my <laughs> No, it's okay. It's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> but what do you think? What's going on among uh, the younger generation? You know, I think that we've been bought a lie and a deception, yeah. especially when you think of um, women, I can speak to women right now specifically, yes. where we've been given this lie of feminism. And the reality is, is that we're hardwired for something so much more. Mm -hmm. And I think that once you've experienced the fact that, okay, some things are only fulfilling to a degree, and then you realize there's something so much more inside of me. And what is the more that's inside of me? And I've had such a great opportunity, like you said, I've, I've had amazing careers from a really young age. And even in that, I'm very connected to the ultimate purpose that's inside. Mm. And I'm at these amazing rooms that are very influential with a lot of awesome men. And I realized what takes me about three times the energy is what's naturally hardwired in a man. And they're created to be the providers. They're created to lead forward in a way that's just differently than what women bring to the table. And you need both. Mm. And so I think what we're seeing specifically, I'm, I'm 32 years old, and you're seeing a lot of women who are single, they're not married, and they're wanting something more in their life, and they're feeling like they're coming really short. Yeah. And it's because they've fed into this deception that, you know, yes, we're leaders and, and we can be a powerhouse in our own right, but really there's a lot more to life than just gaining in a career and losing out on so much more. You know, Satan, he attacks identity, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. uh, he, he you know, the, the messaging from the left to men is you gotta be like women, and the messaging to women is you really are or should be more like men, you gotta do it all kind of thing, and both of them deny people the of affirmation of who they really are. Yeah, and the fullness of 
how we are created to be and who we are created to be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so I think it's really encouraging. I love like seeing Luke and meeting his wife and being able to see young people coming into the identity that we are created to be and be encouraging to those that are out there. Absolutely. Well, now, Luke, so you've got a, you've got some experience in uh, on Capitol Hill, and I know from talking with you earlier that you saw some things when you were in Washington, and, and maybe you, you're still in Washington, I don't know, but that are kind of a burden on your heart about the effect that Washington has on people and maybe why we see politicians and other people who go there with hope and vim and vigor and they next thing you know they're voting crazy with the liberals and everything else. Tell us about what, what you've observed. We live just outside of Washington DC. We go in every day and what we find is that people who are interacting with politicians in Washington and the staff members, they basically have to deal every single day with people who are pulling them one direction or another. They have an underlying agenda at play. There's lobbyists who come up there. There's special interest groups that want to rope them in. And there is a spiritual battle that is going on. It's one of the highest concentrations of spiritual warfare in the United States and frankly in the world, I think. And as a result of that, we have seen church after church in Washington, D.C. go under and completely fold. If they don't fold and become apartment buildings and condominium complexes, then they become churches that are just a shell of what they're supposed to be. They're not pushing the gospel. They're not evangelizing. They're just focused on tolerance. There's one church just outside of one of my good friend's houses that just says, we're here for unity and tolerance, and they have the pride flags hanging in their window. And that is not Christianity. That is not the gospel. That is not truth. And frankly, it's not love because we're tolerating people all the way to hell sometimes. We really are. And personally, in Washington, we've seen with my church, we don't even have a church building right now. We've been working out of a community center because the surrounding community does not want us there. The surrounding community has to approve whatever buildings, entities, churches come into that neighborhood. And it is vastly different than anywhere else that you see in the United States. And I'll tell a personal story about what we're dealing with in our church right now. We basically went to a developer. My pastor went to a developer and said, you just purchased this this church, this once thriving church, and you plan to turn it into condominium complexes. Well, we want to take this church and we want to use it and utilize it as a ministry. We have my whole family. We have a congregation. We have people who are fired up and ready to come in. Would you please consider selling us this church? And this developer looked at him and he said, you know, I think that it's great that you have all of this in your game plan, but my friends and I, are in the process of systematically secularizing Washington, D.C. Oh, wow, it's a Jesus driven. Yes, he said, I have personally purchased and flipped 12 churches in the last year and turned them into condominiums, to apartments, and other multi-use facilities. And he said, so you have faith and family and friends, and I have friends, but I also have money, so game on. And so ever since then, we've watched him purchase church after church and flip it into apartment complex and condominiums and multi-use facilities. And we still don't have a building. We were pushed out of Washington, D.C. during COVID. They didn't want us there. When we met outside, there were people walking up to us and yelling at us because we were meeting as a church. The world hates Christianity and D.C. and politics sometimes hates this message because they don't like what we are pushing. We're pushing absolute truth. We're pushing a message of love, but they don't want that. They want this absolute acceptance of any sin that's just going to drag the culture further and further. And they have a religion themselves. 
They themselves have a religion that they're trying to push, and that is why we can't give the left, we can't give the devil, we can't give progressives an inch in this fight because there is spiritual warfare going on every single day, and that's why we're in this fight together. Wow, I have not heard that before. That's incredible. It's very sad what's happening. Guys, let's take a minute. I want to uh, let our viewers know how they can find out more about you, what you're doing, and connect with you. What's your website, Luke? You, you, you can go to masonboro, M-A-S-O-N-B-O-R-O.net. That's my site where I have all my political strategy and communications consulting and things like that. There's a contact form on that website you can fill out and send it to me. We named Masonboro after the street that I grew up on, but it's also the street where one of the three people from North Carolina who signed the Declaration of Independence lived and so there's quite a history there. So uh, I know our guys are working on lower thirds but again just it's Mason Mason Boro B-O-R-O yes uh, dot net dot net dot yes net. or you can just google Luke Ball politics and I'm sure you'll get to see what all the mainstream media thinks about me yeah a couple interesting articles. Well I did Google you and there's a lot of hits. So yes uh, great <laughs> hits good <laughs> stuff we're doing something right. <laughs> Kylie Jean how about you what's yeah, your website? It's really easy you can just go to KylieJean.com so it's just my name K L-I-E-J-E-A-N.com, and there will be also a contact form. You can find my social media and, and kind of keep up with what's going on. LukeBall.com was taken, so if anybody wants to purchase that for me, you're more than welcome. That's good. That's good. <laughs> well, so Kylie Jean, I'd, I'd like to kind of dig a little bit with you about uh, what's the, the state of the media mm -hmm. right now in America. Yeah. And you know, under the Seven Mountains metaphor, media is one of those mountains, and it, it's. Uh, it seems like Christians, conservatives in general, we're always complaining about the mainstream media and the left and all this stuff. But what I don't ever see and still have not seen is uh, a real uh, integrated effort to get Christians into the media. Um, mm -hmm. is, that a, is that a need and, and what do you think about that? How can we do that? Absolutely. One of my favorite commissions is where the Bible tells us to be in the world and not of it. Mm -hmm. And so when we're called to be in the world and not of it, we are going to be graced, we are going to be trained, and we are going to be equipped to go into those spheres of influences. And one of the greatest places is media. We live in a day and an age that is extremely digital. So I can be right here in Colorado Springs and we can go around the world with a message and it's so important. And I think it's so key, we kind of talked about this earlier, but discernment is everything right now. Because even in the camps that are very trusted in the conservative movement, you would know this as well, mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of wolves in sheep's clothing. And so that's why as the body of believers, we need to be plugged into the Word of God. We need to be plugged into the discernment of the Holy Spirit and look past commentary. Because people can have really good words, mm -hmm. but that's why we have to be plugged into the Word of God to be able to see what is truth and what is the truth. Mm -hmm. Well, so I, I think we chatted about this a little bit earlier today, but um, Christians, we have a unique challenge, don't we? Uh, because I, what I'm telling people is that, yeah, you want to complain about a double standard, just stop complaining about it because we do live by a different standard. Yeah. They don't get used to it, right? Yeah. How how can we, when we engage in civic life, mm -hmm. how can we communicate the gospel effectively? How can we communicate it effectively in the midst of a hostile culture and a hostile environment? And I think this is a subject that's probably, I'd like to hear your perspective on it too, because sure. I think you both excel at it. So. Oh, thank you. I think one of my favorite things is that you'll know people by the fruit of their lives. Mm -hmm. And I'm such a word picture person. And so if you think of our lives and 
it's like a tree and you see what kind of fruit that that tree is bearing, it's gonna identify the root system of that. And so when you look at the fruit of someone's life, what does the character look like? Do they keep their word? Are they trustworthy? Follow their words, follow the action steps that follow that. That's gonna say a ton about who you are as a person. And that will speak for itself without ever even have to quoting a scripture verse. Mm -hmm. The fruit of your life will speak for itself. So that's what I would encourage everybody. It doesn't matter what realm you're called into. Who you are is going to speak loudly by the actions that, that you take, by the way that you treat people, by the words that you speak. It's all going to culminate and speak to being a Christian. You know, the other day, uh, uh, we, there was a meeting here in little old Woodland Park, Colorado, <laughs> where a progressive so-called investigative journalist came in and gave a speech about uh, uh, Christian nationalism. So I went to the meeting. I, I wanted to, to be there and, and uh, resist the indoctrination a little bit. It was so... Uh, tumultuous, there was so much conflict in the meeting, shouting, yelling, um, and, and uh, people so angry at each other. Of course, some of the things that he was saying were incendiary, but you know, it, it can be challenging for us as believers not to let that anger mm -hmm. get on us, mm -hmm. right? So how do you, in your mind, when you're, when you're dealing with a wild-eyed progressive, you know, and you're tempted to get angry, what do you do? Well, for me, I think you recognize that there's a spirit in operation. Yes, thank you. So yes. there's a person and the person has come into agreement with a spirit and that spirit is there to agitate us mm -hmm. and we can choose not to engage. Yes. And so for me, because I've been in a room many a times um, and it's that exact scenario that you just said has played out and they're looking to pull you in. They're mm -hmm. looking to pull you into an argument. They want to agitate what you carry. And the best thing is that I get to operate out of the fruit of the spirit, which means I get to bring peace to the situation. Yeah. And I can, in my own heart, I can ask the Lord, what's an operation? What you just described is a spirit of anger, is a spirit of intimidation and a spirit of agitation. Mm -hmm. So you can identify those and then that's how you can respond. Yeah. Well, Luke, what do you think about this? How do we, you know, it's one thing we, uh, conservatives, we can get in there and we, we, you know what we do, we like to quote stats and figures, right? Sure. Facts. Facts. They hate the them. thing we do poorly though, is we don't tell stories well. Yeah, you know? exactly. The left is always coming forward with compassion stories and affliction and all this other thing, but how do we communicate the gospel in the midst of this whole public policy debate and uh, this culture war that we're engaged in? A couple things. It's interesting that people who purport to be unbiased journalists suddenly present themselves and say that I'm here to give a lecture and then have a bias bend towards it. That seems to happen not just here, but also in Washington, D.C. You see people who say, I'm just reporting the facts and I'm just being a journalist, then go on to be political pundits who are very hard, sharp left. So first understand what you're dealing with. And the second thing, and I'm glad Kylie Jean said this, is because we are dealing with spirits here and we also are dealing with people who want to rile us up and get us angry. They don't want us to focus on those facts and those figures. They don't want us to think about that stuff. They want to get us off and give us a, have us give a, an emotional response. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be very careful in how we respond. You know, Jesus said that if the world hated me, they're also going to hate you. And he was speaking to his disciples. And our message here is that no matter what mission field we're operating in, you know, we're in the media, we're in politics, we're, we're speaking, but the folks who are watching are in a wide array of mission fields. Any job that you're working in, any role you're filling in as a parent, as a son, a daughter, a father, whatever you're operating in, that is your mission field. And so 
as you take the gospel to your mission field, how are you operating? How are you carrying that forward? I think that Christians should be involved in civic government. Mm -hmm. So that's why we have taken the step and are involved in this way. But everybody, no matter what you're in, should be involved in some form, whether it's voting or speaking out or going on your local school board and things of that nature. But be prepared to confront this evil and this darkness, because this is where the spiritual warfare is playing out right now in America. Mm -hmm. And so when you are given the opportunity, make sure that you don't give that emotional response. You can, you can be motivated by the fact that you are incensed that things are going on, but they want to get you off of those facts and get you off of the science because then they can twist and manipulate and show, look, these people are just crazy. Mm -hmm. They're lashing out. They're not giving an emotional mm -hmm. response and things of that nature. Yep. And I think that, you know, also in scriptures, like when you, a, a harsh answer is going to stir things up, yes. but that quiet answer is going to, you know, dispel, turns it, yeah. it turns away wrath. And I also think that by forgiving your enemies and by showing them love and giving them a chance after chance, you're basically just heaping coals on their head, as the Bible yeah. likes to say. And so I think that any time that we're confronted, we need to be prepared to give a very sober answer, but also be very pointed in our facts. Yeah, absolutely. I like what he brought up too, because foolishness exposes itself. Mm. And I think we're, we're seeing that a lot. And so when you let foolishness just entangle, it's gonna create its own web. And you mentioned voting, and I just wanna park on that real quick, because I know so many Christians, and I've been to Christian universities, and they encourage their students not to vote. And that is the beauty of living in the United States of America, is that you've been given a voice. And voting is a spiritual act, because you're engaging and operating and releasing your voice. And we get to choose that we can vote for righteousness. And if you choose not to vote, then I would highly say that you actually are laying down your voice and your opinion, your complaints, they're null and void when it comes to those next four years. So I just wanna encourage you, you've been given a voice, you've been given a voice for such a time as this and to take action in that because we're called to be people of action. And so it's super important to vote. Well, so guys, I was looking uh, at some poll results at, and I think this was in December of last year, but it's showing uh, compared to 2020, in 2020, the eight, uh, I think the 18 to 24 vote was the highest turnout for that bracket in, uh, in history. Yeah. Uh, and of course voted overwhelmingly for Joe Biden. Well, mm -hmm. not in 2020, was a midterm, but voted overwhelmingly Democrat. Uh, this year, the, the, at least the recent polling is showing that there's been a drop in those who say they're, they're very uh, determined to vote uh, by about eight points. So in that age bracket. So um, do you know what is happening among young voters right now that's causing them to uh, be less motivated? It's a startling statistic. I believe when I looked at those two, I believe it was 65% went Democrat, about 24% went Republican, the rest went independent or unaffiliated. And of that voting bracket, about 25% turned out. So it's, it's a small microcosm mm -hmm. and it also goes to the talking point of evangelicals too. Like there's only a sliver of evangelicals that turn out to vote. Mm -hmm. And if you are giving up ground like this, mm -hmm. that is just heartbreaking because imagine if every Christian in the United States of America turned out and voted. Sometimes we sit back in our pews and we're like, why is the United States trending in this direction? Why aren't we heading in the correct direction? Why don't we turn back to God? And then you don't go out and vote in the small elections. Maybe you go turn out in a presidential, but you don't go in the midterms. You don't go vote in the primaries. And you wonder how we end up with candidates like the ones that we end up with. Well, it's because no one stood up and actually made an effort to turn out their voice. So 
when we look at the statistics of the younger people who are voting and they're having a greater impact, it's also why the left is going after them so strongly because they see the statistic and they know that in a lot of these elections, they can make the difference. And frankly, in the midterms, they did. Yeah. They made a lot of it because there was not this enormous red wave as people were anticipating. And I believe that had this vote turned out, there's far more young conservative people than we anticipate, I believe, because they're just not going out and gone on the voter rolls. And so don't give up ground as a young person. If you are a parent or if you're somebody watching, ask the young person, have you gone out and registered? Why aren't you involved? And then start talking through these processes. And I believe that maybe as we start growing up a little bit and figuring out, you know, what is it a Roth IRA? What is Social Security? Why is half of my paycheck being taken out? You know, maybe that's a little bit motivating factor. Yeah. But also as you get older and start to get a little bit more into the realm of the workforce and seeing a family, you know, I know that when I got married, I started looking at a lot of things very differently. You know, I could go off on a work trip and not like think twice about it. I could just go into DC and now I'm like, okay, but the crime rate is up. I have to be away from home. You just start thinking differently once you get older and get put in different circumstances. Yeah. Hopefully as these young people start getting older, they can start to realize that, but they need to look at their friends and people who are going into college and realize like they're not heading in a good direction. They're coming out and the world is telling us, get saddled with student loan debt, be in debt to the government for half of your life and maybe even more, you know, go and be dependent on your next person or the government and just share everything. That's the solution. So they are creating an environment where it's not encouraging people to actually stand up and speak out and get involved civically. They are just trying to become more dependent on one another to prop up the system of progressive that will just push further into a Marxist society. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, let's shift gears here for just a second. I want to just ask you a question, uh, Kylie Jean, about the entertainment space, yeah. and the entertainment mountain. I, if I look at what's happening in the in the last two to three years, mm -hmm. I'm encouraged yeah. uh, by the the sudden sort of I don't know, Christian uh, quality material that has yes. just come on the scene. Mm -hmm. You know, movies like, um, uh, like uh, you know, Sound of Freedom, yeah. uh, Jesus Revolution, mm -hmm. both of those were excellent films, right? Mm -hmm. Angel Studios has just exploded, um, The Chosen and all of those, so, and, and there's more. Um, you know, if you look at the upcoming Super Bowl, for example, yeah. we have the starting quarterback on both teams are outspoken, Christians, one of them was slightly more than the other, but uh, it seems like even professional athletes are becoming more vocal in their faith. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm seen with rose-colored glasses here, but are you encouraged about about what's happening in the uh, sports and entertainment industry right now? Yeah, I'm so encouraged because light shines the brightest in the darkest of places, and so I think we can equally see that things are getting really dark in some areas, but at the same time, the light is getting really bright. Mm -hmm. And there is boldness that is coming along people because they've encountered Jesus Christ. Amen. And so because of that, when you've encountered Jesus, everything changes. You do not care about your reputation because your reputation is the Lord's. And when you've experienced that, you want everybody to experience that because truth will set us free. And when it comes to media and specifically movies and the, the stories that are coming out, Jesus was the ultimate storyteller. That's how he impacts so many of his points. And so it's been so fun for me just to even see how um, Christian movies that aren't even necessarily under Christian umbrellas, the level and, and the water levels of creativity has come up so high mm -hmm. and um, just the quality of the production has come up so high and so that's exciting we're living in some really exciting days yeah absolutely hey guys we've got a caller uh, on the on hold here who's been on for a long time and this question may not be uh, your bailiwick but let's go ahead and give her a shot here okay I'd like to go to Sierra who is holding from Texas Sierra if you're still on uh, we'd love to hear your question yes my question is uh, about 
uh, what may be happening in the Sierra. Are you uh, uh, are you there? Prepare for. Can you hear me? I can hear Sierra, I can and hear. I, I can take the question. Okay, I, I see it on my screen, but I'm not hearing her in my, but sure. if you've got it, Luke, yeah, go ahead, Sierra. for the viewing audience. Hey, yeah, I was wanting to know if, if we're supposed, should we be preparing for the future, like saving back food and toilet paper and uh, maybe even being armed, things like that? You know, I think that when it comes to the future of the United States of America, when it comes to the future of the world, first of all, as Christians, we should have the mentality that we shouldn't be concerned about the future because we know that Christ has overcome. I think that you and your family can take the necessary steps and kind of be prepared. And if you want to just go ahead and, you know, take care of the basic things, like I know that if a hurricane's going to come and, and um, knock the power out for a little bit, I want to be prepared on the basic level. But on a larger, more fundamental level, we also have to understand that even if everything comes crashing down around us, we still have Jesus Christ. And the worst thing that can happen is one of my favorite songs says, would only just hasten us closer to the Lord. You know, the worst thing that can happen in the mind of America and the mind of the world is that we lose our lives. And for, for the Christian to live as Christ, but to die as gain. So we can take the necessary steps to ensure that our family is protected and taken care of and things like that. But once we do that, it's in the Lord's hands. And from that point forward, I think we just have to trust that God is in control, that he is going to take everything that is going to happen and nothing is knocking him off his throne. And that's the hope that we have today. And that's why we're here at Flashpoint Live, because we get the opportunity to try to direct the way that our nation is going. And although we want to influence our culture, if things are outside of our control, it's not outside of God's control. And he ultimately is the one with all the power. Amen. I would say just encourage you to, to piggyback off what Luke is saying. We don't have to operate out of fear, but wisdom. So wisdom would be maybe have some extra food on hand. Wisdom would be maybe have a generator. A storm could come through. It could be a shutdown. We don't know. So I would say follow wisdom. If you're operating out of wisdom versus fear, it's always a win. Amen. A great, great answers. Thank you, Sierra, for that question. Okay, guys, we've got two minutes left. And I want to ask you, both of you, the same question, which is, uh, and I'm saying this, you know, I'm, I'm a dad. I've got three boys, two of them are grown, one of them is still in the house. Um, but for all the parents out there who have kids in this era that we're in, it's a, it's a tough time to raise kids, a dangerous time. But I'm looking at you guys and I'm going, man, your folks did something right. What was the most uh, important thing for you guys that your parents did in raising you that instilled in you a biblical values, biblical worldview, and such a devotion to the Lord? Yeah, uh, for me it was Christian education. I was very blessed to have a Christian education growing up and that allowed me to grow in the Lord while growing in my education. Not everyone has the opportunity to have Christian education or to have a homeschool education. That's okay because you can still bring up your children in the nurture and ad admonition of the Lord. And you can still raise them according to biblical principles. There's resources that are out there like Sunday school and church and youth group and things of that nature. You need to make sure that the world doesn't get them. You need to make sure that they actually have a foundation moving forward into the rest of the world because they're going to go into the public school and they're going to hear from these other kids just hopelessness and loss and they're going to become discouraged. Make sure they have a foundation to grow on. Even if you can't raise them necessarily in a Christian education, put them in the education of the Lord. Yeah. I would say something I really appreciated about my parents and the atmosphere that they created for us growing up is they had an understanding that the spirit knows no age. 
So the spirit can capture so much more than our natural mind could. So they really cultivated an atmosphere where they would give us leading questions to be able to tune into the voice of the Lord. So just some really simple, easy encouragements is that I remember being young and we'd be eating breakfast and my dad would say, what's the good word? Uh -huh. And I knew when my dad said, what's the good word? It was an opportunity to quiet my heart down, to fix my eyes on Jesus and to ask the Lord for a good word. And sometimes it would be something detailed and profound, and sometimes it was something simple, but it trained me to start to tune into the voice of the Lord. And my parents were so big on our words. And I shared this at Flashpoint earlier today, but every night before we went to bed, my parents would say, what's your faith words? So every mm. night we would say our faith words, which was a declaration, mm. I like myself. I have a great destiny. People listen to me because I have valuable and important things to say. And that really created the foundation of who I am and who I am today. And as I've grown up and as I became an adult, I added to those words. And so I would just encourage you in your household is that as parents, you have an amazing opportunity to cultivate an atmosphere with ease for your children to learn to hear God's voice for themselves and to have that personal relationship with Jesus. It's such a beautiful honor that's gonna be a game changer for the rest of their lives. Luke, Kylie, Jean, I am sorry we're out of time. I would love to keep going. This has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming on Truth and Liberty today. Thank, Thank you for having so us. Appreciate having it. You. Guys, that's all the time we have for this episode. We're going to be back, though, on Monday at our regular time. I'm going to be hosting, and my guest is going to be Kamal Saleem. Kamal was born and raised to be a jihadi terrorist from, from Lebanon, came to the United States. Jesus got a hold of him, and now he's radical for the Lord. You won't want to miss Monday. Show, so be sure to tune in 3.30 p.m. Mountain Time on truthandliberty.net. God bless you all. Have a great weekend. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.